BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hey, I'm Chris Amot from Arch Enemy, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal podcast, coming, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. On Bud Friendly, here's your hosts, Mark and John. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. I am psyched because I'm hanging out with Mark Striegel at Yoshinoya, Japanese fast food, 42nd Street, New York City. Hey Mark. Hey John, how are you? Uh, Good to see you again. Um, We're doing a live show on the 18th, so please tune in for that. You can tune in to Talking Metal Live uh, right on our site, TalkingMetal.com or at MarkStriegelRadio.com. Wanted to give a couple shout-outs to Steve Jonkis, Caius, Joan, J-O-N-C-A-S. How would you pronounce that? Jonkis. Jonkis. From Steve from Canada. Thanks for the donation. And Eric Snake 65 also uh, gave a donation. So thanks to you guys for supporting what we do. We have um, Chris... And Michael from Arch Enemy, so stand by for that interview. We're going to get into some music from Arch Enemy shortly. It was on the Blabbermouth or Brave Words, one of these sites the other day, and they had a site, they were quoting a site called MetalTalk.net. I wonder where they got that name from. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's uh, always, you know what they say, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. I'm not sure if I worded that right, but uh, hey... You know, that's definitely, uh, I would say, talking metal influenced. Yeah, crazy. Guns N' Roses uh, are back. They played their first show the other night, actually last night, which will be probably a week by the time you guys are hearing this, uh, Rock in Rio, and some mixed reviews coming in. Uh, I guess it was, you know, their first show in a long time, so I guess there were a few things that were a little a little rusty and rough, but uh, it was pouring rain. I would think that that would make... A performance uh, difficult. What do you think? Yeah, even if the stage is covered, it, you're bound to get wet on stage, and the f- the actual floor of the stage is probably wet, and it's just you know a uncool vibe, and the fans are probably not that happy because of the rain. So, you know that could have definitely had some effect on the show. But I think it's cool that they're back out there again, and they are coming uh, to the United States. They're going to be in the New Jersey Meadowlands area on November 17th, and I think uh, it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, we're going to try to get to that. I've been having trouble with with shows lately. Uh, Just I saw Cinderella 
And it's like they just they went on at like 11 o'clock. And I know that's probably what's going to be the case with Guns N' Roses. And when you got two little kids at home who, and a babysitter and all this other stuff involved, I tell you, staying out late just is not quite what it used to be for me. I, I prefer, like when I saw Motley Crue, um, the whole show was done at 11. You know, and, and that's kind of in my old age how I currently uh, prefer things. Remember when we used to hand out flyers and ask all these people to come to our gigs and would be going on like at a Thursday night at like 12.30 and I used to get mad at people when they didn't show up and be like I can't believe they won't come to my gig and now like you know I won't go to any gigs practically at this point and uh, you know somebody I really wanted to hang out with invited me to uh, come and see them do a DJ thing um, yesterday female and uh, unfortunately I couldn't even go because it was just too late like her big Part was going to happen at midnight and you know Sunday night and I don't even have kids but I just have work and all these different responsibilities so I just can't I can't do it I think that's called old age I don't know yeah I, I don't know I, I actually have to admit I, I've never been a, a big late night guy like staying out all night long I've just never really been into that but I used to definitely push things and, and stay out later but it, it's tough when you got a you know kids yelling at 6 a.m. every morning so, uh, anyways, a couple of things. Saw Caius recently, and then we'll get back to Guns N' Roses. Uh, Caius are touring. Um, Nick Oliveri, of course, in some legal problems, but he is able to play the shows in the United States. He is not playing the shows that are outside of the United States because I don't think he can legally leave the United States due to a SWAT team, I guess, showing up at his apartment and having to... Uh, escort him out and they found drugs and oh, what a mess poor nick i thought when i remember hanging out with him you and i i believe it was at uh the best buy theater over here before it was known as i think back then it was known as the nokia theater um and he just he seemed like he was on the right track he was you know i think having some some beers but they, i remember that you told us that that was all he he did you know but it sounds like things uh, kind of slipped for him at some point and we wish him the best of luck and I, I really hope he doesn't end up in jail for 13 years like they're saying he might he is playing montclair new jersey last show of the tour on uh december 10th the band i'm talking about is caius lives of course i caught them in the city uh last week two weeks ago by the time you guys hear this and uh great great set a lot of fun awesome crowd the sword opened and they didn't play uh, Caius Lives didn't play the most popular Caius song ever which is Demon Cleaner which of course Nick didn't originally play on but I thought it was kind of odd that they wouldn't play their most popular song yeah and we also had Brant Bjork on the show before you had interviewed him back uh, when he was opening up a Fireball Ministry that's right long long time ago probably 2005 2006 back in the infancy days of Talking Metal Back to Guns N' Roses. Uh, it was cool uh, last night. Uh, I was watching some of the YouTube uh, stream, and they did play Estranged, which they haven't played. And I think Axel said he hadn't played that song live in 18 years. So very cool to see uh, that back in the set list. Always one of my favorite Guns songs. By the way, I don't know if you noticed, but in the Blabbermouth posting where it says Pro Shot video available and there's all these videos, is that what you watched? It was, and, and after they had been posted a few hours, they started being removed. Right. So. Uh, yeah, no, that's what I was going to mention. It's, uh, you know, kind of, I'm not sure why they removed, but it, it's almost fun. It's almost like the, you know, everything was a secret back back in the old days of uh, GNR. And that, that was part of, I think, the fun uh, that we experienced where, you know, you know, bits of info would be leaked, but then it would turn into like a scandalous thing. 
Well, he wasn't in the best voice. I mean, I think that's pretty universally agreed upon, and that may have been the rain. It may have been lack of rehearsal. Who knows? But um, I guess the way it could just be they're removing all Rock and Rio stuff. I, I suppose the way to figure that out would be see if the Shakira uh, performance is still up there, which it was earlier, and the Coldplay performance and all these other bands. And if those are coming down too, it's not a inside Guns N' Roses thing. If it's just the Guns ones that are being removed, then possibly somebody is not happy with uh, the way they're sounding. And, you know, it was one of those from the boards, from the mixing boards, which I used to hate those. Like when when I would play live and you'd get a recording of your your gig and it'd be from the mixing board because it wasn't at all how it sounded in the room and the vocals would be too loud and, you know, every little horrible nuance would would sound even worse. And, you know, I, I would hate that. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And what, what you guys, if, if you're, most of you guys who listen to Talking Metal probably understand this, but if, if you don't, um, basically the mixing console will have certain things very loud, certain things very quiet, and it all depends on how the room sounds and um, at a venue. And, and so something that is really at high volume in the mixing board might not be at that same volume, you know, in the, in the room and therefore, um, you know, because it's mixed for the room, not for how it's going to sound uh, coming right out of the board. And, yeah, usually these board tapes, you know, you get, like, a totally loud vocal and maybe, like, you know, one guitar is up on ten. And, you know, and that's you've got to take into consideration there are amps and there are other things and other speakers. And, and that's why it's a totally different mix than the mix that you'd hear if you were actually at the show. Do you hear that guy from... Uh what was that band? Uh, Jesse Dupree. What, what was oh, yeah. he? Jesse James Dupree from Jackal. He was in a motorcycle accident the other day. Did you hear that? Yeah, yeah. How is he? I, I heard about the accident, but I didn't uh, hear anything else. I heard he's going to be okay, but he got busted up pretty bad. And he also has a show on the True TV network, uh, something saloon. I can't remember. Was he going out with Christy Hemme? I don't know if he was. I, all I know is that when I did interview her, which is up on my my personal YouTube page, um, and I think we aired that interview on Talking Rock, uh, that he was there, and he was either managing her. I, I I didn't see any evidence that they were dating, but he was he was there at the hotel with her. Um, so he was somehow involved with her, if not on a personal level, on a professional level. Yeah, she was really cool. I got the chance to meet her and hang out with her for a few days when she was doing Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. And uh, we should try to establish contact again with her and uh, maybe get her back on one of the different things that we do. Yeah, definitely. Let's get into the interview right now with Chris and Michael from Arch Enemy. We'll start things off with a brand new Arch, not brand new, but fairly recent Arch Enemy song off the new record. This is Yesterday is Dead and Gone by Arch Enemy, and then right into the interview that I conducted with Chris and Michael at the Best Buy Theater here in New York City on September 9th, 2011.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and we are joined by Chris and Michael from Arch Enemy today. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Chaos Legion's a great sounding record, also an amazing looking record. I wanted to ask you guys about the artwork, which I was just blown away by. Who came up with the concept and uh, did the actual artwork? <clears throat> well, myself and Angela sort of came up with the concept, I guess, together with a an artist actually from here, from this town uh, called, uh, or from this part of the U.S. anyway, from the state. Uh, his name is Brent Elliott White, and a fantastic artist. And we'd seen some stuff he'd done previously, some book covers, and uh, some uh, he'd done, he did a cover for a job for a cowboy. And, uh, yeah, he's just an amazing artist. And we just threw all our ideas at him, you know, too many ideas. And he managed to sort of get it all in there. And, yeah, it looks, it looks really cool, I think. And how does that actually work? Do you do you get a version from him and then give him notes back on yeah. it? Do you go back and forth like that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, just talking on the on some, you know over the internet or shooting emails back and forth. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great nowadays. You can just work with whoever you want. I mean, we have another guy doing art for us. He's in. He lives in Sao Paulo in Brazil. He does a lot of our T-shirts and stuff like that. So you can just. Cool. It's really. Yeah, there are no limits. In that way, you don't have to find a graphic designer in your hometown anymore. Right. Cool. And and Chris, you actually are an artist. Besides being a musician, who which is an artist, you do art. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I've always drawn, and I started painting uh, a few years ago. And uh, I uh, I did a solo album a few years ago, and I I designed the the cover for that one. So, yeah, I do a bit of painting. Cool. And there is a music video now out for Bloodstained Cross. Tell us about this music video. It appears compilation of of tour footage. That's right, yeah, it is. Maybe, Mike, you want to talk about that? Um, Yeah, it's just a new video, Bloodstained Cross. It's basically (laughs) footage... um, just from all, all over Europe, the festivals that we've been doing all summer. So it's just like our crew was filming stuff and our front of house engineer actually was making these cool little road movies and posting them online on YouTube. And uh, I thought, hmm, actually, a lot of that footage looks really cool. We could Maybe he, we could get him to edit like a clip for this song. And I think it's a great song to release right now before the U.S. tour. It's got kind of shows the band what we were about in a different way. You know, actually, when we really play live, you know. When, um, as opposed to a, a promotional video, where, you know, where you're kind of like acting something out or whatever. Yeah, but we're going to do another video as well, another sort of a professional video or whatever with the guy who did yesterday's Dead and Gone. We're shooting that in uh, when we get back from this tour. Cool. Where are you going to be shooting at? L.A. or? Uh, no, actually, that's in Sweden. He's oh, a wow. Swedish guy. Yeah, yeah. Cool and. As far as, as Chaos Legions goes, was this album, was there a, did you approach this album any differently than you've approached albums in the past as far as uh, composing and writing it goes? Um, the biggest difference was that we've never had such a long gap between albums before. So we just had a lot, you know, we never really stopped writing. I mean, we're always collecting ideas and bits and pieces of music. And uh, yeah, we just had so much to choose from. Once we really got stuck into sort of the pre-production phase, I guess you could call it, in June 2010. We started rehearsing more intensively and uh, 
it was just we had so many ideas. So it, was, uh, it turned out we recorded quite a lot of material. I think twenty-one or twenty-two tracks. Wow. Yeah, not all of it's mixed yet. Actually, not all of it went on the on the final album. But yeah, but there was a lot of ideas, and yeah, so that was the biggest difference probably. Because sometimes you kind of, in the past, we haven't had that much time to prepare, so you're kind of scrambling to get those last couple of tracks finished and arranged and looking, you know, for looking to how to finish it off. But uh, this time we were just kind of spoiled for choice. And do you think those those unfinished tracks, if you will, unmixed tracks, will at some point be released? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we just need time to sort of... <laughs> now we've sort of hit the touring thing, and, you know, it's hard to uh, focus on that as well. But, uh, yeah, we're planning on probably doing an EP or something next year. Yeah, like a, yeah, something special, special release. Cool. And, Chris, who did you work with producer-wise on this record? Uh, we recorded... We produced most of it ourselves. Um, we had an engineer uh, in uh, the town where we live, a, a local studio, and uh, that's where we recorded everything. And uh, we we record uh, each we record ourselves, you know, like um, Daniel and uh, Daniel will record uh, the mic, and uh, me and Mike would do the solos, you know, just. Uh, the engine, the actually recording process, and uh, then we mixed a guy in England called Andy Sneap mixed the album, did the final mix. And the tour is really just getting underway here. Baltimore last night. Yeah, that's that right. was the first day of the tour. That was the first day, so it was very you know, a bit chaotic. Just scram. You know, we fly in here. We just it's a bunch of higher gear or loaner gear or stuff we get from our endorser uh, company that endorses us and stuff like that so it's just a bunch of new stuff and you got a p- sort of big puzzle you got to spread it um, put it all together and like guitars how aren't set up yet yeah, and stuff we, like yeah, that exactly and you know it's all a little bit last minute so we just kind of <clears throat> exactly you know setting up a guitar backstage right before we go on stage and stuff like that but uh you know it's it was actually for a first show i thought it was very successful it was uh Certainly a, a great warm-up to tonight, which is already... The second show is already in New York City. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was great, and I'm really looking forward to doing the rest of the shows. Cool. And speaking of gear, what kind of gear? Obviously, the Dean. Um, what amps are you using now, Michael? Uh, we're, we're both using Marshall, Marshall amps right now, yeah, which has been working great. And, um, yeah, just various bits and pieces, you know, yeah. <laughs> and what about tuning? You know, there's. Uh, do you guys do a drop down a full step, or are you uh, tuned differently for different songs? It's the same tuning for the whole set as the tuning that we we've used for years and years, which is uh, just the standard tuning, it's standard C tuning. So it's, it's yeah. So it is. You know, it's a lower tuning, but it's not not super low compared to we used to be in low B wow. tuning as well. Yeah. And Chris, you just tweeted the other day that you are starting work on a, a sol- another solo record. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I started recording um, a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, well, it's going to be kind of broken up because uh, we're, we're touring a lot now, promoting the new Arch Enemy album. But uh, yeah, that's something I'm going to be doing. And what kind? Will this be like a, an instrumental record, or uh, no? No, it's vocals. Okay. Uh, but a lot of instrumental parts as well. But, um, yeah, and I'm looking to release that um, hopefully next in the spring. 
And it's going to be more uh, more hard rock metal, heavier than my last album. Cool. So, looking forward to that. Cool, me too. Um, Michael, you and especially Angela have been uh, outspoken, I would say, uh, atheists, if you will, uh, letting people know that you are not religious, uh, non-believers, if you will. Do you feel that atheism is becoming more accepted as time goes on, specifically in America, or, or, or less accepted with some of the more uh, right-wing political agendas that that tend to appear in this country mm-hmm. well yeah i mean we i was raised both me and angela were raised uh, atheist um, so it's no big deal for us and we wouldn't have made a big deal about it if it wasn't that i've seen we've seen over the last year a few years you see a lot of uh, sort of uh, um, more sort of christian values coming into the hard rock metal scene um and uh they're kind of being very outspoken about their beliefs. And I think you've got to have a counterpoint. You've got to have something to balance that. Right. And uh, that'd be me. <laughs> and I think, you know, there's just a, a, miscon- a very strong misconception in a lot of people that you can't have morals and, like, decent values right, sure. if you don't believe in a higher power. And um, I don't... That's something that we don't agree with. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah I've always thought, well... Can I just be a good person for the sake of being a good person, not because somebody is looking down yeah, at me? Yeah, or... you know, religion's built on fear, and uh, it's often used as a tool to control people, and uh, all around, not a very good thing in my book. Right, and and kind of leads into today is September 9th here in New York City, and there's a big terror alert because of you know Al Qaeda, also you know. Definitely uh, extreme religion, if if you will, not Christianity, uh, of course. But um, uh, how does that feel for you guys as non-Americans to be here with this heightened security alert and all this? Is 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 it something you think about or are conscious of? Yeah, well, actually, we uh, we just a couple of blocks here from the venue in New in on Manhattan. We got stopped by the police and they wanted to check the bus. And so, yeah, there's definitely, you know. There's something going on, which is understandable, I guess. I don't know if there have been any direct threats. Or, but um, obviously, personally, I can't believe it was 10 years ago. It doesn't seem that long ago that that happened, September 11. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, what was the question? What was the <laughs> – we felt it. Yeah, we felt the yeah, – the- Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people talking about it, et cetera, et cetera, of course. But, I mean, it's uh, it's such a huge tragedy – 10 years ago that uh, of course it's going to be remembered you know yeah. uh, on another note uh, last time I spoke with you I believe it was on the phone and we were uh, you had been doing some dates with with Carcass have you spoken with Bill at all lately I did I met him uh, over the summer actually at a festival in Belgium um, and we had a great talk but we actually didn't discuss Carcass oh okay. no. no that's pretty much done Deal. I mean, it's pretty much done for now. I think you know I'm going to be so busy with uh, Arch Enemy, it's going to sure. be, take up so much of my time that I can't really, you know, get into something doing something else at the same time. Chris, I wanted to ask you who some of your influences were growing up as far as guitar players go. Can you maybe tell us about some of your favorite guitar players going way back to you know some of the 
the earliest influences on you? Mm. Um, well, Ingve Malmsteen, uh, John Norum, John Sykes, I'm the guys, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, uh, Meta- Metallica, a lot of Metallica, Slayer. What John Sykes stuff do you uh, listen to the most? White Snake or even the Thin Lizzy stuff? Um, yeah, only only did a few good albums, didn't he? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just the whole school of eighties, seventies, eighties blues rock guitar playing, right? Like the Gary Moore style that he started. That's what I what I enjoyed. Have you ever met Ingve? If you're being no, no, I've met him. I've never met him actually. Don't know if I, I guess he's 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 I think lived in this country for quite some time now. But uh, that's right. Have you ever met Ingve uh, Malmsteen, Michael? I have. Yeah, I spent an evening with him in uh, um, in Stockholm once actually. When oh, he was doing yeah. yeah, we had a mutual friend uh, who took me along to a hotel where he was staying, and yeah, it was a pretty cool night. He lived up to everything that I thought he would be. <laughs> what was I know kind of a big bombastic kind of character but I mean you can't knock his playing I mean I think still think he, to this day I haven't really heard anybody who does that style better than him right you know he took it to the next level and he's uh, maintained it as well I think you know. and and how famous is he in Sweden is he recognized pretty well I know in this country he's obviously very famous but is yeah, he it, is in Sweden too we don't really have that many people he's one of the few he's probably one of our only true rock stars that we have in sweden that has that because he's very americanized you know right. so when he comes back to sweden to visit he's got like a yeah he's got that it's a bit more loud personality than what we're pretty much toned down the swedish right. way that's not the swedish way or the northern european way but he's i think he's always had a lot of balls you know he's always had a just knew what he wanted to do and just achieved that just um more rare in Sweden, I think. So I think he made the right choice moving to America. It's a better place for him. Would you guys ever consider moving to America? Uh, you never know. Not for reasons like that. I mean, we be, you know, I think now that it's a different plane. You know, when he started out, for instance, he sent it was the story is sending the tape to Guitar Player magazine and go like discover. The, yeah, I mean, there's all pre-internet, uh, all pre-globalization, uh, if you will, of uh, popular culture. Now you can... You know, I mean, Arch Enemies, we're just a, a play, we're just a, a subculture of music, uh, but, you know, we can tour all over the world globally and have success and still be based in, in Sweden. You know, it's not, right. a pr- it's not an issue. So we'd, it's never really been uh, something that we've... Uh, I don't think it's really like that anymore, that you have to move to that city to make it or yeah. to that. I don't, I don't think it's quite like that anymore. Not in the music, that, the style that we're in anyway. Right. Um, we're going to be doing uh, a couple segments, one on Iron Maiden, one on Deep Purple. So, uh, Chris, I just wanted to ask you, what is your favorite era of Iron Maiden and lineup? There's been so many different lineups uh, with that band. Can you talk about your favorite era, who was in the band, what albums came out at that time? Mm. Well, I guess it's the the, uh, the lineup with, uh, uh, with the, um, Adrian Smith. Bruce Dickinson, from uh, Peace of Mind, Live After Death, Power Slave. Right. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. That's the stuff I listen to the most. But I, I also like the earlier stuff with Paul Liano. I do. Cool. How about you, Michael? Your favorite Iron Maiden era? 
Oh, um, I was actually listening to Killers uh, the other day. It's a great record. Um, very different to what they were doing later on. Um, I like that and Number of the Beast as well. Number of the Beast is, uh, hasn't got a bad song on it, I think. I like that one. I don't really like when they got too much into their very drawn-out epics. Uh, yeah. I kind of like the more, you know, rock and metal songs, you know. Right. Yeah. With great leads as well. Adrian Smith was, and Dave Murray were a great guitar team. Still are. We've toured with them as well. We had the great fortune of touring with them in the U.S., Canada, and uh, Japan a few years ago. It was great. Great watching them. Real professionals. Great players. Excellent. Uh, Deep Purple has had also so many different lineups. Uh, let's talk a little bit about about that band. Do you uh, have one lineup that you prefer over the other? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the classic lineup with Ian Gillen and and uh, Richie Blackmore. I mean, you got to have his voice and Richie Blackmore's guitar playing for to be to be true Deep Purple, I think. And then they made great stuff after that as well, but not necessarily what I would call. I mean, they were just kind of the prototype heavy metal band, you know, in rock and. Uh, Machine had the great records, you know, yeah. just so powerful for the time and great players, almost virtuoso players, you know, Ian Pace, what a fantastic drummer. And uh, yeah, that's definitely the most powerful lineup. I think. But you still were somewhat a fan of the David Coverdale, Glenn Hughes era stuff, Burn and, and Stormbringer? Yeah, I mean, all that music is something I've discovered later on in life because I'm too, too young to have being there when it all happened, you know. So, I mean, I got into music, it was already the 80s, really. Um, so, I mean, I've just kind of gone back and found, you know, gems like Black Sabbath with Ozzy and, you know, all these killer oldie purple albums and stuff. So I've just rediscovered that later on in life. And uh, But I think my favorite is uh, probably in rock, it's just so raw, uh, Deep Pur- talking about Deep Purple and Richie Blackmore's guitar playing, it's just... Uh, out of this world to think that that was you know whatever it was 1970 71 just makes you want to quit guitar, playing guitar now I mean he was amazing cool Chris any thoughts on Deep Purple yes uh, I, I'm, I've listened to a few albums by them a lot I haven't heard all their albums but uh, yeah as, as Mike said it's a it's totally different band when they when they had Glenn Hughes and and David and and David Coverdale, uh, those albums are great, too. But I mean the 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 most um, I don't know the purest form of that band is with the the Machine Head era, and then it got kind of more uh, this kind of sleazy, funky, yeah, definitely. stuff, which is cool too. I enjoy that, and I like I like that one with Tom, Tommy Bolin, the one the Come Taste the Band. Yeah. That's a really cool album. It's very uh, sort of 70s, just kind of funky. Excellent. Cool. Thanks, guys. If I could get uh, you both saying your your name, uh, your band, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, I'm Chris Amart from Arch Enemy, and you're listening to Talking Metal. You'll do the same, or do you want to play with Actually, you could do one that says... Uh, Okay. Hey everybody, this is Michael Amon from Arch Enemy, and you are watching Talking Metal. Down on the walls, wake up the world. 
Classic Arch Enemy, and what a great interview, Mark, and uh, we should also mention that that interview was shot by Jay Bones and uh, also posted on our YouTube page, so check that out. Cool, yeah, and I'll try to actually, if you go to uh, TalkingMetal.com, I'll try to get a link to that up in the show notes for today's episode, where you can go to purchase the music that you hear on today's episode using those iTunes links. That, of course, helps us. Uh, we also have a link up to the book, which is out momentarily, that John worked on. Uh, it's an Amazon link. You can go use that link. It'll take you right over to Amazon. You can buy, no regrets. And uh, any other shopping that you do in Amazon, we get credit for that, too. 
Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm getting really excited about the book release. I don't have my personal copy yet. I cannot wait to get it. And I think it's just going to be so cool once I see it physically, you know, in actual book form. Because, uh, you know, I, you know, right now I've got a, a thing that's about three or four inches thick that's, you know, just a Xerox copy. So what the book was, uh, one of the versions, not even the most recent version. But uh, very exciting times and I uh, can't wait till it comes out. And thanks to all you guys who pre-ordered it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Um, I know we both got to run back to work. We're on lunch break. Uh, just blow through a couple things real quick. Um, somebody asked me about Spotify, which is now how I listen to all my music. Um, it, I think it was Eric Snake 65 actually, who asked, asked me about it. Spotify, you can listen to music for free on your computer, and it sounds great, just like iTunes. But then if you want to get it synced to your phone, you kind of have to subscribe. So it's, it's I think, similar to like a Rhapsody, but the fact that you can – use it for free on your computer is what makes it different than Rhapsody. So uh, I highly recommend it. I am concerned that if Spotify kills iTunes or diminishes iTunes uh, that it could affect the podcasting and, and how many people listen. But eh, I'm not too worried about it. Check us out uh, on Mark Striegel Radio. You can download now a Live 365 app right to your Droid or your, your um, iPhone. Just search Striegel. You'll get both the streams that pop up. And again, on October 18th, we are doing Talking Metal Live on Stream A. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to mention that uh, the one and only Gene Simmons is officially married. We thought it would never happen. The rock world thought it would never happen, and it has happened over this past weekend, October 1st. Yeah, and I, I think the only reason it's happened is because of this TV show. I mean, I read all his books, or what, two books he had out? I, I guess two solo books, if you will. And it's like... The guy just preached so hard about the how he's anti-marriage. He'll never get married. So a bit of a hypocrite, actually, if you ask me. But, hey, he, he needs the ratings, and, and uh, the show needs the ratings. I guess the show's doing well. It, that show always cracks me up that, that Stanley, Paul Stanley, like in the intro to the Family Jewels show, he's cut out of it. So it was, it, it, and I've always kind of sensed because of that that he was not supportive of the show. But the press releases from what we've uh, read today say that he was at the wedding and that they actually do three songs at the wedding. So should be interesting to see if he is also on the TV show version of the wedding or if they creatively edit him out like they they have in the past. Yeah, I I kind of always thought that like he wanted them to edit him out of that stuff, but I'm not sure. I know that once Paul, in an interview, or at least I think I read it, that said he'd rather like you know shoot himself uh, than than do a show like that. But he has been on I think at least one episode prior to this, and right. uh, I think it was Gene's like 60th birthday episode. He was on that. Like Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer are always on the show, but Paul just is the one that kind of wasn't into reality TV. I don't think it's that he just didn't like Gene's show. I just didn't. I think it's he's not a fan of the genre. Uh, but I'm not sure. But. but well, it is just interesting for somebody who doesn't know the story like myself. It, it, how that intro it's so yeah. blatantly they yeah. they have all they have Gene, you know. And Tommy and, of course, the Ace makeup and Peter or Eric in the Peter makeup. It, throughout that, that show open, they call it, uh, and no Paul. He's just, like, completely edited out. Yeah. Uh, interesting. But anyways, uh, I've, I've only seen probably four episodes of that show, and I, I've surprisingly liked them. But I just uh, – I should probably DVR that. 
but that's about it. Anyways, here's some Saxon. They're they're back with a tour and a new record. This song is called Chasing the Bullet. Again, go check us out on TalkingMetal.com. And if you never emailed us, send us an email at TalkingMetal at Yahoo.com. Hey, guys, thanks very much for listening. And, Mark, it was great to hang out again. Uh, and we got to do it again. we got to do it more. And uh, looking forward to this GNR show, bringing back some of the vibe of the old days of Talking Metal. Saxon here on Talking Metal. I've been working like a dog. I need some time. I've been running around in circles out of my mind. I got to beg my bears and get away.
Peace. And she's in the bullet. And she's in the bullet.